This morning our opening hymn is Before Thy Throne, O God, We Kneel. Daniel's still on mute. Thank you. Send out your light and your truth that they may lead me and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Alleluia. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Let us continue with Psalm 78. Hear my teaching, O my people. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will declare the mysteries of ancient times, that which we have heard and known, and what our forefathers have told us. We will not hide from their children. We will recount for generations to come the praiseworthy deeds and power of the Lord and the wonderful works he has done. He gave his decrees to Jacob and established a law for Israel, which he commanded them to teach their children 
that the generations to come might know and the children yet unborn, that they in their turn might tell it to their children so that they might put their trust in God and not forget the deeds of God, but keep his commandments. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Joshua. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove us out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive you your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statutes and ordinances with them at Shechem. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There you go. A reading from Thessalonians. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we 
who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five I'm of them and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will be not enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you all today. Um, I have to tell you that several months ago when our pastor Elizabeth was planning her maternity leave, she had written me and asked if I would be interested in preaching um, several times while she was away. And I said, yeah, sure. And so I sent her a couple of dates and she said, you do realize that the second date is the Sunday after the election. And I have to, have to say, I went, oh, no, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, but I was sure that the election was Tuesday and we would have had a lot of time to um, process what had happened. But as we all know, the election count went into the weekend, and so it's been a little bit of a frazzled weekend, I think, for everybody. 
But shifting our focus somewhat from the macro to the micro, from the worry about our country at large, to focus on something much closer to home, I'd like to talk this morning about two-year-olds. I'd like to focus not on two-year-old dogs, which I'm sure many of us here could go on about, or two-year-old cats. Nope, I wanna focus, at least for the moment, on two-year-old children. Possibly in part because my husband, Ian, and I have a two-year-old grandson. He is an absolute delight, a bundle of life and emotion transparent as clean water. His name is Byron Justin. He's about three feet tall. He's as fast as lightning and, of course, smart as a whip. He's very capable in pursuing goals and getting help in that pursuit. And he's most adept at letting you know when he is simply not having it. Ah, the terrible twos. I think what people mean when they use this term is this, that it's the age when a child learns the tremendous power in saying, shouting, spitting, screaming, stomping the word, no. I love watching my daughter deal with this developmental age, really. She's incredibly patient. I especially love it because she herself at that age was a deep lover of her own autonomy. We have a well-worn story in our family about our daughter at that age refusing to eat her peas. Her dad, in an intended show of strength, told her she would have to sit at the dinner table until she did eat them. She eventually, literally, fell asleep with her head on her plate face down in the peas. Another time, this same plucky, at the time two-year-old, put her hand on her hip and stated emphatically, like I am sure many other two-year-olds have, you are not the boss of me. Saying no, the ability to say no is actually a great thing. Of course, the color corollary saying yes, an emphatic yes is also a good thing. In the gospel reading we just heard from Matthew, Jesus tells us yet another parable about the kingdom of God. It will be like this, he says, 10 bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil, no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all the bridesmaids got up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went with them into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Among, among biblical scholars, there is discussion about when this parable made its way into Matthew's gospel. Some wonder if it was added to Jesus' sayings later as an encouragement to the early church who had expected Jesus' imminent return. Those scholars emphasize the be on the lookout 
ready at any moment theme of this story. The bridegroom is Jesus, and he's taking his sweet time and coming down the road to usher in the festivities. Another way to look and to hear this gospel, though, is to believe that Jesus is simply telling us something important about how we ought to live as faithful disciples. He's pointing out the importance of being able to say no. I have to admit that over the years in listening to the gospel reading, it has occurred to me that maybe the wise bridesmaids were a little smug and stingy in their refusals. I can imagine this scene, everyone a bit bedraggled. They've been waiting for a long time along this side of the road. No cell phone with GPS tracking where the bridal party is. For all they know, the bachelor party was simply run over time. The boys are having way too much fun. They fall asleep. And of course, then the groom and his party show up. In some discussions about this gospel, this point of enough time is emphasized. If the bridesmaids who had not brought oil would have gone to get stores instead of sleeping, they would have been prepared. They did have time to refocus, to get prepared. But what about the wise bridesmaids, the ones who simply said, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. No, this is the way it is. No, if we share with you, none of us will have what we need to light the way and welcome the groom. No, our focus is on the wedding and our part in it. No, we cannot. I don't know about you all, but I have trouble with definitive no's. I don't mean in this biblical context, I mean in the course of my own life. I find that there are times when I want to say no, but talk myself out of the no for a quivery, unenthusiastic, equivocal yes. In our faith life, the unwillingness to say and mean no is a problem. And frankly, I don't think I'm the only one with this issue. As a society, we are overrun with it. In saying yes, when we want to say no, we seem to confuse niceness with goodness, convenience with justice, and condescension with love. The good we seek is egocentric rather than altruistic. We think it will feel better in the moment to say yes. The biggest problem though with the inability to say no is that it also hinders our ability to say yes. Frankly, this is what faith is all about, right? The choices we make between yes and no, life and death. We say yes to the foolish bridesmaids and we miss out on the wedding feast. We say no to the foolish bridesmaids and it encourages them to take responsibility, to learn and to grow. And it keeps us focused on the wedding. A no allows us to serve joyfully as we had intended. It allows us to celebrate with the bridal party, to join in the feast. The great theologian of our century, Paul Tillich, described faith not just as something you move toward outside of yourself, but as the interior unifying force, 
he talks about faith as that which is one's ultimate concern, not just that which you move toward, but also the unifying force that drives you. In this gospel, Jesus is telling his disciples, telling us that our faith, our ultimate concern needs to be the wedding banquet. In the next weeks, all of us will face numerous opportunities for reflection, discernment, and choice. We will have the opportunity to respond with firm no's and unequivocal yeses. We continue on page eight with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Before we go into our offertory, I would like to invite Rick Bogard to give us a testimonial. Great, well, good morning, everyone. Um, it's wonderful to see you today. As Katya mentioned, um, I'm Rick Bogard, though you may know me better as Leslie Moore's husband. Um, uh, so my introduction to Emmanuel came over 30 years ago uh, when Leslie and I were dating and we would occasionally attend services with her parents, Tim and Jean Moore, who were longtime parishioners here at Emmanuel. Um, Leslie also attended Emmanuel while growing up on Mercer Island and has wonderful memories of growing up in the church. Um, I attended a very small community church in rural coastal Washington where I grew up. Think Southern Baptist tradition with a Northwest twist. Um, when Leslie and I decided to marry, uh, we had an important decision to make. Should we marry at Emmanuel following the Episcopal traditions with a beautiful church and surroundings or should we marry in my home church? A quaint converted Quonset hut miles from civilization. I lobbied hard, but as you may have guessed, we were married at Emmanuel and became members of the Emmanuel community when we moved to Mercer Island a decade later. Since then, Emmanuel has been our church home and an important part of our lives. I was baptized here, as were our now college-age sons, Bryce and Colin. Our boys were both confirmed at Emmanuel and benefited from the youth programs and the wonderful mission trips organized by the church. I mean, as many of you know, our older son Bryce is autistic, and we have appreciated that he has always been welcome, and that Emmanuel and his traditions are a special place for him, 
where he can be himself and know that he belongs. And he is also looking forward to coming back to church soon uh, to make the Sunday morning coffee. I love the inclusiveness of Emmanuel, excuse me, um, that we welcome everyone no matter where you come from. And then we invite everyone to come as you are. Perhaps today we could add, and from wherever you are, with one of the silver linings of COVID-19, being the ability to attend services from anywhere on the planet with an internet connection. I love that we share our time, talents, and treasure to support Emmanuel, but also the larger community here on Mercer Island and in neighboring communities. Sharing our time and talents in the current environment requires creativity. Just one example that is happening is soup is still being safely made and delivered to Edible Hope. Thank you to the soup group. When I was invited to speak today, I admit to having some trepidation. It's relatively easy to talk about the time and talents we all give to Emmanuel in the community, but perhaps more awkward to talk about gifting our treasure. While the wonderful and dedicated people who are stewards of our faith lives are clearly among the most important reasons to share a treasure, any past, present, or future Emmanuel property warden will be able to tell you the lovely patina of our gracefully aging facilities hides secrets in the walls, on the roofs, and under the ground that are real, revealed regularly and at considerable expense to repair and proactively maintain. We also have beautiful grounds that require care and they become a source of respite for those just passing through, working the soil in the pea patch or visiting a loved one in the Memorial Garden. Leslie and I are extraordinarily appreciative of the time, talent and treasure of everyone who's given in the past, who's giving now or planning to give in the future to make Emmanuel the beautiful, welcoming and important in place important place that it is for all of us and for future generations of Emmanuelites. We will be supporting Emmanuel with our pledge and considering over the coming days the right level of what the right level of giving is for us. Uh, we invite you to join us on the stewardship journey and as you consider your pledge to Emmanuel and what is right for you. One thing that I'm quite sure of is that whatever amount we pledge, we won't look back with regret that we gave too much. Thank you and God bless. Thank you so much, Rick, for sharing. Now we will go to our offertory.
we continue on page nine. Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. Lord, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. O God, whose blessed Son came into the world that he might destroy the works of the devil and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that, having this hope, we may purify ourselves as he is pure, that when he come again with power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom, where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we pray for your holy church here on Mercer Island, in this nation, and in the world, that we all be one. Grant that every member of Emmanuel Church and the church throughout the world may truly and humbly serve you, that your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for all ministers, bishops, priests, and deacons, that they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. We pray for all those charged with recording, tabulating, and reporting the voting and election results in this nation. We pray for all those currently running for federal, state, and local positions in this country in the national elections. We pray for those elected, those not elected, and those awaiting decisions. Give all the strength, humility, and graciousness to accept the voting public's decisions. We pray for the people of this country who have felt the stress and anxiety of a deeply divided country that we will listen to each to other perspectives and work together to find solutions. We pray for the president-elect Joe Biden and the vice president-elect Kamala Harris, that they will effectively lead us toward the unity and vision that they have shared for this nation. Finally, we pray for all who govern and hold authority in this nation and in all nations of the world, that there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will for all people living in this nation and in every nation in all that we undertake, that your works may find favor in your sight. Bless all those whose lives are closely linked with ours, 
especially those at Emmanuel celebrating birthdays this week. Frank Bingo, Madeline Way, Linda Wandell. Grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. We pray for those suffering losses of life, health, and employment, and feeling stresses upon their personal lives and relationships resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. We pray especially for those on our Emmanuel prayer list, Karen Blankenship, Jim Cameron, Niall Clark, Glenn Crosby, Glorian Crosby, Deanna Glenn, Diane Goodman, Linda Hamill, Bob Hayward, Hannah Hooper, Rosemary Howell, Peter Mackenheimer, Claire Parkinson, Pam Rhodes, Karen Rowley, Ron Smith, Vicki Smith, Don Snow, Lillian Snow, William Victory, Julie Wiegand, and Peter Wiley, that they may be delivered from their distress. We commend to your mercy all who have died, especially Keith Snow, Edith Bora, Esmeralda Bora Amios, Ruth Engel, Liz Pagel, Graham Cameron, and those who mourn that your will for them may be fulfilled. We pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Let us pray for our own needs and those of others. At this time, I invite anyone to add additional prayers in the chat if you want them read out loud. We pray for peace and comfort for Lillian Snow and for her whole family. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all the prayers that we have said out loud and for all the prayers we keep in our hearts. God of mercy, hear our prayer. We continue at the bottom of page 10. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. For the honor of your name. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. 
Our closing hymn is Jesus Came, Adored by Angels. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Amen.